Hey, Winston, thank you for coming in. I was just yes. looking at your background, like you're an investor, an attorney, an author of best-selling books. Uh, uh, you're in, in venture capital and things like that. Uh, currently in the, on, on all these different boards of companies and European <laughs> tech. A and uh, New York University Law School, and it's kind of goes on and on. I mean, it's just a, a tremendous amount of accomplishment for somebody so young, by the way. <laughs> so, uh, so thank you for coming in and sharing all of your experiences with our audience, or at least a, a small portion of it anyways. Thank you. Yeah, obviously, you have a lot to share, too. So Winston, my audience is uh, really quite diverse, a lot of CEOs. And in fact, when mm -hmm. I post an interview in LinkedIn or something, the number one uh, readership is actually CEOs and investors and founders. Terrific. And there's board members. And later in the list, there may be professors or something like that. But typically, it's, mm -hmm. a, it's very senior, very senior <laughs> leaders that are uh, who can kind of consume what I do. Uh, and the interviews appear in tech channels. So we, we're going to have to add elements of tech in there and things like that. But you cover it all anyways. Mm. And, and my audience is always curious. You've got such a tremendous history of accomplishment and you're still really, really young. What were the drivers of this? I mean, it was like when you were three, 10, uh, something that happened when you're in college or uh, maybe, maybe some early successes, mentors, two or three really change makers in your life that made this wonderful person that's out there today. Really interesting question. You know, I I, I attended and spoke at many different conferences, you know, podcasts, but this is a kind of unique question. Actually, uh, you you made me to to think, you know. So so that that's a, that's a really good one. Uh, I I would say maybe the maybe the first one, but you can relate to this. It is because it is because my interest in physics and actually my first degree undergrad was in physics. So, so the, so the, so the, the, the physics way of thinking, right, of uh, looking at uh, a complex system, complex world, and then try to figure out a simple way to describe it and, and make sense of it. And of course, you ignore a lot of details, but, you, you know, you get the gist of it. You know, I think that that probably uh, has a very big impact on me overall, right? So, so the, the, the physics uh, part of it um and and i think um another aspect of just like a the the the, the personal uh, interest in in science in general uh so science in general uh but uh but did not kind of uh just just sort of going that way kind of single minded you know obviously you know, like for the Nobel Prizes people, you know, they have to focus on one thing, right? Uh, but in my case, uh, uh, I had that uh, uh, physics training, but I went to law school. You know, maybe that was a very big uh, uh, transition in my life uh, at, the, at at very young. You know, um, after my undergrad in physics, uh, I went to law school. You know, actually, I was a top student in the material science major. Uh, so it wasn't clear to people why I did that, right? Uh, and it, but to me, it was uh, it, it was uh, uh, a very interesting time to to look into that direction uh, because uh, at the time China had no lawyer system yet. You know, China just started uh, to have bar, uh, bar exams. You know, believe it or not, 
you know, uh, uh, in the early 1990s, you know, uh, after many, many years of uh, kind of without a legal system, right, China uh, uh, restarted the, the bar exam for lawyers uh, and then tried to create a legal system. Um, and, and even more importantly, right, the intellectual property law uh, just, came, uh, just, just came into the scene. Uh, so I thought, hey, you know, maybe I should should become the uh, first generation of uh, tech lawyer uh, in in China. Uh, of course, it was the right idea too early. Uh, like today, you know, IP law, uh, IP lawyer is a very big thing in in China. Uh, uh, but at that time, right, it was still very early. Uh, so, but but I, you know, I I managed to go into the direction of capital markets. I become a capital markets lawyer. Uh, David spoke, and then from there, become a, a capital markets banker at JP Morgan and the Barclays Capital. You know, before I went to CIC, you know, to to, to work on uh, uh, global investments in the capital markets, right? Uh, so, so, so I feel like you know that you know the you know the the the, the willingness to try something drastic uh, from from undergrad in physics into law school for graduate studies. Uh, probably was was a good thing. Probably was a very good thing uh, uh, for me to 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 open my mind mindset right to to go into different directions. And maybe the third one uh, was uh, was as a law was at my uh, MBA studies. You know, after three years uh, with Davis Polk, you know, the leading uh, securities law firm uh, on the Wall Street, uh, I I you know because of my quantitative background, I wanted to go in something more quantitative. Um, so so I went to B school and then. And, and a plan to go into the finance uh, market, right? Uh, and during the school, during the school time, you know, I I, I started a financial derivatives club, uh, and you know, for you know, you know, U Michigan had had a, had a finance club for many many years, right? But they never had a financial derivatives club. And in, you know, you you at that time, Steve, you know, you you, you remember uh, at the beginning of two twenty at the beginning of the new century, right? Financial derivatives was still a very big thing, you know, uh, and uh, even even Enron was at its beginning, right? So, uh, so that was a very good time to 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 start a club, and to me, you know, that was a test, uh, a, a test of my uh, leadership skill, you know, to 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 found a to found something, uh, and I choose it to do the B school, uh, as you can see, right? It is a very low risk environment. It's a very low risk environment, so so I choose to start something in a low risk environment just to see if I if I can do it, and and then I uh, that that was a good timing. Uh, financial dealers were really hot, you know, all the investment banks wanted to sponsor my club, so very quickly I I, I attracted a lot of students, you know, in, in, including the students outside of the B school, you know, like from the even as far as like a geography department, you know, guys want to come in. So, so that was an interesting uh, a test of myself. And I, I use that, you know, just to, to gain some confidence that, that I can be an entrepreneur myself, even though I had a lawyer background. You know, that's, that's kind of fascinating. You know, you, mm -hmm. you have a, um, a degree in physics and you're a top student, and then you decided to go uh, get a degree in law and people are wondering, why are you doing that? Exactly. <laughs> because exactly. you've got such a quantitative background. And then you decide to work with some of the top firms in the U.S. And then you go to get your MBA from the University of Michigan, 
the Ross Business School and you start a finance club and it's yes. like never done before. So so you get people all sorts of interested in that. And then you end up in getting a master's of law from New York University. Right. So yeah. school of law and and you end up being a Hauser Global Scholar. Yes. So yeah. You, yeah, that was my first stop in, in the States. So, so I'm, I still feel very indebted, you know, to to, to New York University and uh, uh, the U.S. in general. You know, we, you know, I, I got the scholarship from Hauser Foundation, uh, so I so I can you know so right after my uh, Chinese law school, I came here in 1997. You know, uh, to 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 study at NYU for one year with the one year full scholarship, which completely changed my life. Uh, actually, you know, when I got on the plane uh, uh, to New York, you know, that, that was my first time to travel abroad, and uh, frankly, it was my first time to get on a plane. Uh, steam you know so so the uh, so the scholarship from uh, NYU and the, and the states you know really changed my life uh, that was a very big thing you know I, I started my career at Davis Polk also benefited from that right and, and from there on you know I could uh, uh, test different things you know in, in a much less uh, risk environment you know to try get into different directions try different paths yeah, and, and again, it's uh, fascinating. You, in fact, you you were also nationally certified software programmer in the '90s. So, yes, you know, physics to software programmer to law school to starting MBA. finance, <laughs> the MBA. Yeah, yeah. And now an uh, uh, adjunct uh, professor at New York School of Law, and and you specialize in things like uh, sovereign funds. Can you talk about that? What got you interested in? Uh, really teaching about sovereign funds and sovereign funds uh, at at in this New York environment. Oh, ter- terrific! Uh, you know, you know, after ten years uh, Wall Street lawyer and banker uh, experiences, right? I would, I, I got the chance to join CIC at its very beginning uh, as the first group of uh, overseas hires. You know, the the, uh, the 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 U.S. educated Wall Street educated Chinese, right, to go back. To the China government fund to manage a portion of the uh, massive foreign reserve. You know, today CIC uh, has become a one one trillion plus institution. You know, when I started there, you know, in the first year of CIC, it started with two hundred billion U.S. dollar uh, cash uh, for global investing. So, so that was so that was a great platform to for me to to get into the global capital markets and and. Uh, uh, to work on the buy side after many years on the sales side of the Wall Street, right? Uh, so I had a long story short. I had a ten years with with, with CIC. You know, met lots of uh, global peers. You know, uh, sovereign funds uh, in Southeast Southeast East Asia or Middle East, um, uh, and uh, for public pensions. You know, from Europe, uh, North America. Uh, Australia, New Zealand, right? Uh, all, all these sovereign investors, uh, I, I got to know them really well, um, especially because I had four years. Uh, four years, I was based in Toronto, Canada, you know, as the first managing director for CIC's overseas office. You know, believe it or not, the Toronto office uh, back in 2011 to 2015 was the first overseas office of uh, of CIC. So, so because of that, I got into a really close relationship with the Canadian pensions. Uh, all, all these, you know, gave me a very good uh, uh, background and network to start this adjunct professor class at NYU Law School 
uh, after I left the CIC and returned to New York in 2019. Um, so, so it's really good to do it in New York, Steve, uh, to your question. Um, a couple of reasons, you know, what, one is um, because, you know, NYU Law School, right, being in New York, it's, it's, uh, it's a very much a capital markets driven uh, law school. So uh, I got uh, lots of students interested in, uh, in the capital markets topic, you know, and uh, for that, the sovereign funds and the public pension funds as the largest as owners uh, are becoming uh, the, the the frontier of the capital markets, right? So so that attracted a lot of uh, students' interests. And uh, uh, another important factor is that uh, New York is the home to lots of sovereign funds and pension funds, North America office, right? Even though CIC started North America office in Toronto, uh, for for most of them, uh, for most of the uh, sovereign funds, pension funds, you know, they have their office in New York, um, so. Uh, for my class, I can always engage senior people from their New York office, if not from their headquarters, uh, to come as guest speakers. And even for sovereign funds um, that that, that uh, have functions out of the headquarters, right? So for example, for ESG topics, Norwegian sovereign fund, the largest sovereign fund in the world with one trillion plus. Uh, dollars of assets, right? You know, they have their ESG policy mostly from their headquarters, uh, but still they have the New York office, right? So their uh, chief risk officer is willing to fly to New York to speak at my class, but, you know, for the same week, he can work uh, from the uh, firm's New York office. So so it was a great setup for me to engage the uh, uh, the executives of the biggest, most powerful Sovereign funds and pension funds uh, to speak in my class, and that I, you know I think that's really a treat uh, to the young uh, law school students, uh, plus some Stern uh, business school students because you know the class is open to Stern business school as well. Well, you know your course uh, or your current course is sovereign mm -hmm. investments and regulations, right? So, so it's a perfect uh, course, or or has its course name changed? Yes. No, that that it is, it is. So essentially, you see developments on both sides. Uh, you know, so the sovereign funds, as we know the as as we know it, right, has become tremendously active, has has been increasingly active uh, since they showed up in the global scene uh, back in the financial crisis two thousand eight. Steve, you know, uh, uh, Citibank, right, Morgan Stanley, they all received the billions of dollars uh, from the largest sovereign funds, including CIC, uh, to 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 survive the two thousand eight financial crisis. So, so that could be viewed as like the beginning of the sovereign funds uh, coming to the front line of the capital markets. And these days, you know, they become more and more active, right? Uh, uh, instead of uh, putting most of the money into investment funds, they want to be the direct investors themselves. Uh, uh, so these days, you know, it's hard to miss headlines uh, of sovereign funds getting into new deals, you know, from infrastructure to real estate, uh, to healthcare, from healthcare companies to even uh, football clubs, right? You know, during the pandemic, uh, Saudi Saudi sovereign fund put money into UK uh, club, you know, that's another way to to get the assets cheap. Um, and the uh, most relevant is they become the new VC, Steve, you know, just like you and me, right? They become the new venture capitalists. Uh, they they want to go into uh, 
uh, direct investments and they want to do it more and more early, uh, even at the early stage phase of the uh, tech venture com com companies, right? So they become increasingly active in investments. That's one, one hand, right? On the other hand, uh, uh, from the regulation side, right? They're increasing uh, uh, assertiveness in the global capital markets also gets the attention of, of the global regulators, right? Especially for the countries that are receiving uh, the, their investments. Um, uh, in, you know, now uh, the, the, the tech space is the frontier, right? So on one hand, you see the sovereign funds are becoming the new VC. Uh, uh, at the same time, right, you see more and more countries, including the US, Europe, UK, Australia, you know, as you, as you can imagine, you know, they develop a regulatory framework to review the investments from these sovereign investors, especially in the advanced tech space, right? Because uh, the, 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 these countries are all, these countries want to welcome foreign capital, but they also want to protect their intellectual property. Uh, so, that, so that's why in investments and the regulation are the two important aspects of, of my class on sovereign fund topics. Yeah, and it's fascinating. As you mentioned, um, a lot of the sovereign funds have some kind of presence in New York, and they will come to mm -hmm. your class, like the Norwegian Sovereign Fund, which is yes. one of the most capitalized in the world today, right? If not number yes. one. So, and and they'll say, yes, Winston, we'll, we'll, we'll speak to your class. <laughs> yes. I, I can see why you're a member of the New York University President's Global Council since its founding in 2013. Yes. And in 2014, you received the NYU Distinguished Alumni Award because you are so out there bringing attention to the university, right, in your work. Yeah, you know, obviously I was really humbled by the uh, NYU Alumni Award uh, because to me, you know, in the, in the very first time, I was very lucky to become a NYU student uh, in the first place, right, because I really needed in the early days, in the early 19th of China, right, uh, I I really needed the uh, the, the full scholarship uh, from the Hauser uh, Foundation uh, to 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 spend a year at the NYU Law School and uh, pass the New York bar. Like you know, without the scholarship, nothing could have could have could have happened, right? So so I really feel tremendously indebted, you know, to uh, NYU Law School and the the university as a whole. And, and it, it was interesting because. Uh, uh, the, the law school dean that time, uh, when I was at the law school, was John Saxton. And uh, after I graduated, you know, I started Wall Street career. Actually, he also moved up uh, to become the university president, right? Because he really had this vision of, quote, unquote, global university. He wanted to use a NYU, um, uh, taking advantage of the New York uh, City advantage, uh, to to build up a global university, uh, we, uh, and, and he truly did. You know, the, he he uh, after NYU uh, Washington Square, he also set up two quote unquote portal universities, the 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 the, the NYU Shanghai and the NYU Abu Dhabi. The, you know, the NYU Abu Dhabi interestingly was sponsored uh, by the sovereign fund of UAE, uh, <laughs> namely Mubadala. You know, they, so they so they so they uh, uh, sponsored the, uh, the 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 NYU AD University concept, and the portfolio the, the the one of the portfolio company of 
Mubadala, a, a major construction company local, locally, uh, was the main constructor uh, of the campus. Uh, so, so that so that was a good sovereign fund story there, uh, but you know also NYU Shanghai, right? Uh, and when when it is called a portal university, uh, that means uh, that when the when a student uh, uh, comes into NYU through uh, Shanghai, Abu Dhabi, or uh, uh, New York, Washington Square Park campus, uh, they are all the same. They are all the same. Uh, for for a student to go to NYU Shanghai, they will get the same diploma uh, as a student uh, coming to uh, NYU New York campus. Uh, so, so that's uh, uh, that, that, that for NYU Shanghai, that was a unique uh, campus uh, uh, in, in China. You know, like lots of foreign universities may have exchange program in China, but they do not have uh, the, the full curriculum program uh, uh, in China. You know, uh, to 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 provide uh, the same diploma uh, to the Chinese students um, and global students, you know, attending NYU through the Shanghai campus. Um, so so I, I think you know the the, the global presence uh, the 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 presence global council that started with uh, uh, John Sexton uh, was really a reflection of the concept of a global university. You know, he he said we're going to turn NYU into a global campus. Um, not just a U.S. not just a U.S. university with lots of exchange programs overseas, uh, but uh, really global presence. You know, uh, in, in, uh, with three major presence uh, presence in Shanghai, Abu Dhabi, and in New York, and and and, and the students can move around uh, move around uh, smoothly uh, among these campuses, uh, as well as other you know satellite campuses. You know, so they can really get a, a global education. You know, I, I fully believe in that. Uh, believe in that concept uh, because I benefited from working in many different parts of the world, right? Uh, you know, Beijing, Shanghai, Toronto, uh, New York. Um, so when, when you spend time uh, really uh, working or studying at the, at the different parts of the world, right, you become a truly global citizen and that's really needed uh, for the global economy right now. Yeah, it's interesting. And and mm -hmm. I, I always see these New York roots, right? I mean, mm -hmm. uh, you were the deputy head of the equity capital markets of Barclay Capital, which you mentioned earlier. You were a vice president at J.P. Morgan Investment yes. Banking and a corporate lawyer at Davis Polk and uh, Wardwell. And interestingly, uh, in 2013, you were selected as a young global leader at the World Economic Forum. So all yes. of these uh, accolades and senior positions, what were some of your learnings from the senior positions based out of the West, out of New York, and from the World, World Economic Forum? Oh, a fascinating question. You know, <laughs> really, really great questions, Steve. Um, you know, I, I, I think the uh, the implication of Davos on me has been quite profound, frankly. Um, you know, like obviously, people have different views about Davos, right? Uh, but uh, but I had uh, I have come to a few interesting learning, you know, uh, after a few trips there, you know, when, when I was uh, uh, still relatively young, right? Because uh, for a young global leader, you needed to be nom nominated before age 40. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's another group of shapers, you know, uh, you need to be nominated before age 30. Uh, but for, 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 for YGL, right? So you, 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 you get nominated uh, before, uh, before 30 and then, then 
before age 40 and then you you go through a review process and then and then you, you and you will be adopted right um uh, and you have a five years as a young global leader um, uh, which give you quite a bit of uh, privilege to to uh, attend uh, davos events um you know which is different from a corporate member right where people get tickets through corporate membership now you know i got a few interesting learning uh from from this uh, process um you know what one the the the, the first one is, is is that uh like it is about any from time to time you need to be uh, uh, you you need to go into such a gathering. You know, maybe not Davos, but you need to be into a gathering uh, of global leaders. You know that that that's that that was lesson number one uh, to me. Like like every like a, we we you know like I touched many many majors, right? So I think I get into many different areas. But the the, the but the, the data explosion, you know, is the. It, in recent years, right, has really been real and accelerating. Uh, so, in order to like to to understand what's going on, um, you you have to you you have to go to these global leader gathering and, and try to find ways to be there. Like when we look around, you see those you know people much more senior and even um, people much more senior, large corporation CEOs, etc. Right, they they know a lot already. Uh, from their own ecosystem, right? But when you meet them uh, at Davos, you can feel like they have antenna all over their body, you know, like absorb information, try to try to get the latest of everything. Um, they, you know, they, they learned a lot, you know, from 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 that. You know, like you can see that how important it is uh, to to get into gatherings of global leaders just to stay in the game, right? So, so that's that's one important thing. And then the second is 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 about uh, it, relating to the first one. Actually, you know, the second thing is about like making impact. Like, you know, how, how do you make impact? Um, you know, we 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 have gone a long way in the career, and uh, uh, we certainly hope, you know, like um, during the limited time of our career life. Um, we we can uh, make some positive, lasting impact, uh, e either in the in the society or in in the industry, right? Um, then, then then I realized that uh, you know why do we need some gathering like Davos? Because uh, we we have a lot of blind spots, and then uh, you know just to put you know small people together. And exchange ideas, and so that uh, uh, everyone can be aware of the presence of others. You know, can be aware of the presence of new ideas, new developments. Uh, that's a tremendous value in, in it. Uh, and and from there, like you can you can you can you can uh, develop the ideas. You know, the, to 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 have uh, uh, impact uh, in, in a much more uh, macro way. Uh, versus you just think about think from your own world say you know like i, I want to i'm in this industry i try to do something here um so so to to me you know the 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 the, the davos concept uh really makes sense and, and it has implication on me because uh uh from since 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 i joined like 10 years ago a little more than 10 years ago right i i think that that way of thinking 
has 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 been in my mind always. You know, they try try to find find the global leaders, uh, mingle with them, uh, not necessarily in the same industry, uh, but really truly like a smart, thoughtful people. You know, so that you can develop the the latest thinking about everything. You know, with 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 them. I can see then, uh, you know, it's quite transformational in your growth and being amongst an international community where you're sharing ideas and you're especially selected because you're uh, leading, uh, you're always at the boundaries. So you that expands your point of view and the relationships and the friendships you form. And yes. you now YGL alumni, right? Because you, yes. you've grown beyond the age limit, but I know there's an alumni and... Uh, yes. That's like a community and you become friends for life. Do you, do you continue to reach back into the YGL, the Young Global Leader community, to do things and so on? Yes. You don't yes. need. Yes. You know, it's, it's totally uh, uh, a, a influential society, I would say. You know, in the, to, to, to me, the, the biggest impact is, uh, is to see uh, guys working on Work on things that 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 I never thought of, you know. Uh, they and that's is that probably step especially true for the emerging, uh, you know, the YGOs from the emerging markets, you know. Like in my in my day to day Wall Street right or, or finance world, right, I I can meet lots of uh, uh, developed markets leaders quite naturally. Um, but for 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 emerging markets, right? You know, they, they, these guys have been a, a window for me, uh, and it, it's truly fascinating to to see that uh, they are working on things that I never thought of, um, uh, especially you know the 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 emerging markets YGOs that are working on NGOs. You know, they 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 try to uh, they they try to leverage the network of Davos to bring resources, you know, to their respective countries and then uh, to, to try to cultivate the social change. Uh, so, so to them, right, to, to them, when they look at the new technology developments, you know, they, they think about the, the, the potential social impact uh, or think, think of that uh, as a, a new enabler uh, to, to, to initiate social changes in their countries. Uh, very very impressive, very very yeah. So, so to me, you know that 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 was uh, uh, that was a window to 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 a world that that I'm less familiar with, and so uh, I stay in touch with um, many people. Uh, it's it's interesting to 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 follow their developments. Um, when I think about the China market, uh, uh, when I think about China markets having lots of cases of uh, uh, technology leapfrogging. You know, actually, they have even more drastic examples. Uh, we, you know, that, that that that's really exciting. So what I'm hearing then is, you know, you you meet these uh, young global leaders, and uh, really the ones that are are particularly noteworthy in your mind because you're always around Western style, uh, developed nations, uh, young global leaders. When you get the ones from the developing nations. Um, it's really interesting how they're trying to have impact and they're taking technologies and, and other solutions into their environments. And that's where the leapfrogging can occur. Right. So. In oh, the totally. Economy. And no, then no, that's, that's, that's a great point. 
Yeah, and then that have profound impact within their societies and so on. You know, you, you're also the co-founder and managing partner of a, of a venture capital firm, and you're um, involved in interactive uh, entertainment companies. What does that mean? Yes. What, is, what is interactive? I know what they are, but the audience <laughs> yeah. can't know what, what that means. So what does that mean? Yes. No, I... Uh... Now, if for for anyone who has who has gone through the initial internet, right? The, the, the then it's very clear to people there are uh, three phases of internet development. You know, at the end of the last century, you know, most people got into internet uh, through uh, uh, emails uh, and dot uh, com websites. You know, just uh, read about these websites, right? At the time, people cannot do anything about it, right? Uh, you are just a reader. Actually, you don't know how you can contribute, how you, how you can uh, create your own internet or something, right? Uh, but uh, at the new century, you know, I call it 2006 or 2007-ish, right? When you have a social network, Facebook, um, and uh, online entertainment come, come up, uh, then, uh, then, then, then you can get, uh, then you can participate. Then you can participate. And then, and then it, it, it's it's sort of the start of this interactive concept, right? So for average internet users, uh, they're they're no longer mere readers of websites. Instead, they can be content creators themselves. And this trend has been accelerated uh, uh, by the, the the mobile internet uh, and a smartphone, right? So that anyone, anytime, anywhere. Uh, can be part of the internet activities. You know, they can, uh, an average user, right? You know, they can uh, watch a YouTube video, but at the same time, they can create their own YouTube video, right? You know, they, they can uh, they, they can comment on other people's video, uh, but they can also welcome other people's uh, involvement in their own creation. Um, so so that's that's the... The, the concept of interactive entertainment. Uh, now, there's the third phase is, is is this metaverse concept, right? You know, when Facebook changed its name from Facebook into Meta, uh, Facebook want to emphasize that we are going to an uh, uh, there's a third phase, right? It, it's a, like a three dimensional interactive. So you so you can uh, put on AR, VR, XR devices, get into a Get, get into the virtual space in a three-dimensional context uh, and, and you can develop an avatar of yourself or 3D video uh, a version of yourself um, and, and that virtual representative virtual representative you uh, can be can, 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 can be active in the 3D space uh, interact with other avatars or uh, or, or other uh, holograms, uh, 3D images. Uh, so, so, so that's really the the kind of the the essence of uh, interactive entertainment. You know, the average user can be content creators, and from two dimensional pictures and videos, uh, we are going to three dimensional, uh, three dimension, a 3D video or gaming, uh, a 3D virtual. Uh, AR, VR, XR space. Um, so, so, so to 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 me, you know, the uh, the the interactive entertainment uh, is, is coming is going into a a, a new breakout time 
just like the last time when we introduced the social network and the two-dimensional video picture sharing uh, revolutionized uh, average internet users. So are you investing in things like volumetric uh, technology or? Um, yes. You, oh, you are. <laughs> so. Uh... Yes, yes. Actually, great, great question, Steve. You know, recently we just announced that we did a, 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 a three, three year for, for VC space. Um, but uh, we, we managed to lead this 11 million round, a round for Arcturus um, uh, with Epic Games and uh, 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 Autodesk, you know, these industry companies uh, involved in the same round. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a still early stage. You know, the, the, the three-dimensional video requires a lot of data processing power, right? It is very uh, uh, difficult to uh, transmit. You know, like even with uh, you know, because even with uh, the current infrastructure, you know, maybe five G network will help it even better, right? So, so right now, uh, the three D video technology is about how to uh, compact the data and uh, transmit the data efficiently. Uh, kind of a software play. Uh, we are still a few months away, you know, from true three D uh, live broadcasting. Uh, you know, maybe maybe a few years from now, maybe sorry, maybe a few months from now, or maybe a year from now, right? We will start to see people uh, uh, doing live broadcasting with three D video effect versus people people uh, exhibiting themselves on uh, on TikTok with two dimensional video. Yeah, but then the devices at the consumer side will have to be uh, be able to resolve that data in a way that's immersive, right? So that's right, that's and, right. So 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 maybe smartphone is not a, not a device, or maybe we will see revolution in smartphone, uh, and also maybe we need uh, advanced cloud computing technology, right? So so that. Uh, even basic smartphone can handle that kind of data processing through the help of a cloud ecosystem. Yeah, and I guess look, there's a lot of excitement over the existing companies, you know, like uh, you know Go um, Google and Microsoft and Meta, of course, and then right. uh, Apple. There's there's a lot of speculation about Apple's uh, AR VR device, right, or XR device, and what that's going to look like, and Exactly. It's been delayed. Uh, so mm -hmm. people are saying, well, you know, and, and uh, you know, would that be a game changer? Like I've got an Apple Ultra watch. Yes. And it's a pretty amazing all the things it can do, right? So sure. Um, so you, you're an investor in that space and it's an exciting space. Uh, you're also the chairman of a NASDAQ uh, European tech uh, company. And um your your Nasdaq listed. Can you talk about that company a little bit? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, you know, it's Nasdaq listed, so I, I, I keep I keep it very brief uh, because <laughs> you have, I'm the board chairman, and you have to comply with SEC disclosure rules relating right. to uh, public listed companies. And obviously, another reason is because it's a really challenging time for the <laughs> yeah. space. So, yeah, for sure. So, so, so I can yeah, so 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 I, so I wouldn't say too much, you know, until the deal is completely crystallized. 
but a long story short, uh, you know, the SPAC was listed last November on NASDAQ. Uh, MCAA is the ticker. And I teamed up with a Zurich-based uh, European PVC fund, uh, called, which is called Mountain Partners. Um, and it, we put the SPAC together. And that's why the name of the SPAC, right, the ticker is MCAA, um, Mountain Acquisition Corporation. Um, the, so the, the, only, the, 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 the current situation of the SPAC market is that uh, uh, the, the financing market uh, is under pressure uh, due to the uh, uh, rate hikes by the Federal Reserve, right? So the overall financing market is very challenging. Uh, so, so after the SPAC is listed, uh, the SPAC needs to acquire a target to complete the transaction, right? Essentially, to bring a non-listed company into the shell company, you know, the SPAC, and turning the, the shell company, the SPAC, into a real listed company with real uh, corporate businesses, right? Uh, and for that acquisition, right, the 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 the, the finance market is very challenging. Um, and uh, at the same time, the SEC has tightened up uh, the SPAC rules, right? So there's so so you have to deal a, a lot more uh, SPAC-related uh, disclosure and uh, other securities laws. Um, so so the overall process uh, has become a lot more complex uh, as compared to the SPAC market a year ago. <laughs> uh, so wish me good luck to uh, complete that transaction. Steve. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, it would be, be helpful because you're a lawyer too, right? So. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, exactly. You know, I will think about my uh, my board chairman liability uh, on the board. No, but that's joking. You know, it's it's exciting process. Uh, the 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 only thing you know, the, the one thing that makes me feel more comfortable about this this spec is that uh, uh, we we focus on European market. You know, so it's a uh, so it's a spec with slightly different focus, you know, as compared to many other specs. Um, so, so, so we, we may have uh, advantage in the European market to find the right target for the right transaction. You know, that's that's uh, fascinating. You're also a board member of the International Data Center Authority. Can you talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, IDCA is headquartered in Washington D.C. Um, and it. it you know, as a former lawyer, I always think IDCA sort of started as the bar association of the data center and the cloud computing professionals, right? Because the because IDCA also sets up uh, stand, industry standards, you know, for data center, uh, cloud computing, etc. Um, and uh, IDCA uh, provides training, um, education modules, right, and it also certifies individuals you know as data center experts etc and for 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 professionals in that space right when when they uh, get to the idca certification they 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 go to uh, work for the cloud uh, business of uh, uh, amazon google microsoft etc uh, so so it starts it started you know like you can think of this like the association of the data center people right or the cfa society of cloud computing people, you know, things like that, right? Uh, 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 in addition to the standards, certification, and ed education part, uh, you know, that, that ecosystem has uh, a huge amount of 
uh, industry veterans in that space. Uh, so from that ecosystem, I, I, I can learn about the latest data center technologies. Uh, so these days, you know, for example, cooling technologies, right? Uh, cooling technologies for data center uh, has become a key ESG consideration. Um, so, so I'm learning a, a lot of uh, data center technologies from IDCA, and also I am hel also helping them to get into uh, data center uh, digital infrastructure transactions. You know, leveraging my expertise in the capital markets. You know, that's uh, quite fascinating. There's there's a lot of um, tech in that space too, right? Especially because of data yes. power consumption. And I did an interview with Philip Wong at Stanford and then, you know, new kinds of yes. chip technologies to try to reduce the power consumption and things like that. You're on the, you're yes. an advisory board member of uh, Capgemini. Capgemini is quite a famous company. So yes, what's that experience like? And uh, any insights that you can share? I, I'm sure a lot you can't, but maybe there's some insights <laughs> you can share from that work. No, actually, you know, to, to your point, yes, you know, it, it's a, it's a it's a great company, and you know, just just as much as try to share my perspectives to the company, you know, I'm also taking advantage of the advisor board to to learn about the latest from the perspective of Capgemini, as well as from the fellow board members, advisor board members, you know, because we have uh, senior executives from Microsoft, um, T-Mobile, uh, Meta. Uh, Vodafone, you know, a, a bunch of uh, global companies, executives, they are also on the advisor board. Uh, so as I said, right, as much as try to provide my unique perspectives, you know, for example, the, the China's, China market or, or the uh, or, or the metaverse uh, uh, metaverse side, because my involvement with uh, uh, with the VC space, et cetera, right? You know, the, uh, I, I'm learning a lot, you know, of, from this experience myself, uh, because for for Capgemini, you know, they have been a leading uh, system integrator uh, on, on 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 the cloud, right? Uh, they they have been this important uh, bridge between cloud service providers and uh, uh, large corporate large corporate IT users, right? Who try to adopt the latest uh, software. Uh, most of them are cloud based. Uh, in, into their day-to-day -day operations, right? Whether it's banks uh, or, or corporations, right? You know, they 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 are going through this um, cloud transformation, uh, and it's between the corporate corporate clients or uh, bank clients uh, and, and the cloud service providers like Amazon, Microsoft, right? Capgemini plays a very very important role to be to be the system integrator, and and during the process, they understand. Uh, the, the cloud ecosystem really, really well. Uh, and so, so to me, you know, uh, uh, the, this uh, Capgemini ex experience is a, is a great window, you know, into the latest uh, 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 tech adoption, you know, by the corporate world. So, Winston, you know, we we talked about your phys physics background. You were nationally certified as a software developer. You you got an MBA. You in finance. You. You got uh, multiple degrees in law. You're a professor at NYU. You won a lot of <laughs> recognition <laughs> as being top in this, or you know, and, and third party recognition like the Young Global Leader uh, from World Economic Forum. And you worked with some of the biggest uh, 
a capital market kind of companies in New York, like Barclays and JP Morgan and and so on. And then and then you know we hear about all of this other uh, board uh, programs and investment programs that you're part of. So you're really at the confluence of the digital, physical, and biological worldwide. So now we're going to shift our direction in the last few questions. Sure. Where do you see the world going from a technology standpoint? So do you think, for example, um, uh, technos or technology will become sentient or, or uh, in some way, not human sentience, let's say just that's a separate category, but have some kind of uh, intelligence that's non-human, but yet has intelligence, just like octopi, octopus have a distributed network. It's not like our intelligence, but there's some intelligence there, right? Or, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or corvids, which are things like blackbirds and others, uh, they have some kind of intelligence. They can problem solve. A bird brain is problem solving, right? Or yes. Or you get, uh, you know, other other sort of phenomena occurring and, and there's some kind of intelligence. Do you think technology and not 100 years from now or 1,000, I'm talking 10 years from now, mm-hmm. I think that AI, and there's a lot of excitement in the news today. On, exactly. On, on this thing from OpenAI called Chat uh, GPT, right? Yes. People yes. are just so excited about it, right? I think what yeah. they got, they've onboarded more than a million users and it really yes. short period of time. And that's an outgrowth of a GPT-3 and, and things like that. And, and there's Dolly 2. And totally. So you think in, in 10 years, we're going to have some kind of assistant and you're going to be the conversive and you won't know that it's non-human and it'll it'll seem human in, in many respects though it's not it's another kind of intelligence do you think that's going to happen or not yeah no i you're the, you're more more expert on that topic than i do you know but so as i just tried to sort of speak from a, a earlier physics mindset person right <laughs> so, uh, you know the, the physics mindset is, is that the more you the more you understand it you know the then the, the more uh, uh, humble you you become uh, you, in front of the nature um you know I, I could understand why Newton you know like the hero of uh, physics right especially classic physics in his in his last later years will will will, will believe in God and uh, and and, uh, and and really uh, acknowledge the limit of the human um so so I I think you know that when you look at the 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 physics right you know you you come up with beautiful formula and you can really understand uh, uh, a few things very nicely uh, but but the but the world right has has some so much more uh, mysteries that that uh, physics can still cannot explain um can cannot cannot develop a beautiful formula uh, to to explain it uh, so I think, so I think the way you frame it is is probably uh, correct is that we may see, uh, uh, some intelligence to develop um, in a limited fashion, right? uh, but to to completely replace people, you know, probably uh, they're uh, they're not there uh, because the, the the human world is just so so much more complicated, uh, especially when you have interactive, right? We're back to the interactive discussion when you, especially when you have human to human interaction. You know, I, I think it will be really hard uh, uh, for 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 machine formula. Uh, uh, 
uh, and a, and a da 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 uh, data statistics data statistics uh, to 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 replicate to to replicate uh, you know so 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 the way I look at it uh, I'm really I have been impressed by the development of the AI especially relating to you know the the deep mind. And and it's an algorithm to play the China, to play the Asian go go chess, right? Uh, you know the, the go chess was believed to have more uh, more variations than the total number of atoms in the universe, right? But you, uh, within a few years, right, DeepMind, you know, now part of Google, uh, can develop a, a AI to uh, to be to 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 become an expert on, on that game and even beat the best human player in the world. Right, uh, and and it's worth noting it has it, DeepMind Go Chess algorithm had two phases. Right, the the first phase was learning from historical data, the the all the, all the records of human players' uh, uh, experience with the with the, with the chess. Right, and then the phase two is uh, more advanced AI. Um, DeepMind only tells the AI the rules. And the AI plays the AI plays the game by itself, and and quickly figure out the game. You know, within a day, within a day, it become a better, within a day, it become a better player than the the, the first version, which studied all the all the human players' uh, historical records. So, so when you look at that, you know, you can you you, uh, you, you have to be impressed. You know, the, 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 these are these are intelligence coming coming up. Um, and uh, uh, it, you know, it, uh, in the example you just used, right? You know, when the AI can develop algorithm itself, like when they can become programmer itself, uh, probably their learning will be even even faster, even faster. So I so I would say, uh, uh, in many areas, we will see this intelligence will come, and most likely they, they can replace people to be more efficient. Uh, but uh, the human world. Uh, Especially in in the context of a human interaction, uh, will you know still will be very very difficult, you know, very very complex for for machine to try to understand. You know, that's you really yeah. quite interesting. Did, did you look at uh, so mm. what? What are your views of quantum computing now or quantum information science? Do you think quantum computing is real now and and it will come into fruition? Let's say within ten years or ten to fifteen years. Yeah, look, 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 looks like it, it will come up uh, because for 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 China, for US, right, lots of countries have have putting a lot of uh, resources into that direction. So, uh, I, so, so I think you know this, this probably will be mostly a, a engineering issue. As so, and for engineering issue, uh, it, it 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 can always be solved by human efforts. Uh, you know, it's 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 not a, you know, like when when you try to accelerate uh, the the speed of a computation, right? The, that's more more of an engineering issue uh, than a science issue. Um, so so I think it's a, it's a very likely to to happen actually quite quickly. Okay, and and uh, so what would the world? So this is my last future uh, sort mm -hmm. of oriented question. What would the world look like from a technology standpoint by two thousand thirty? 
you know, Winston is in New York and uh, you're managing this uh, venture capital company and you're embedded in New York University and so on. What were your minute by minute experience be for the first 10 minutes when you get up in the morning or the first hour? Yeah. No, no I, I would say uh, first it would be data visualization, right? You know, the, the, uh, we, we will see data more vividly going forward, uh, maybe, maybe even more efficiently. You know, today we, first thing we do, we open up the, uh, turn on the smartphone and just starting to check the messages we missed, right? And then and down the road, you know, in the in the metaverse, um, all, all the data we need to know probably will be much more vivid, visible, uh, and more interactive, writing in front of us. Right? Um, and and, and uh, we do not need a, a huge uh, cumbersome devices to get into that 3D device, uh, to get into that 3D virtual space. Uh, instead, you know, uh, we, we, we can... We can we can use our eyes or using a very simple device, and and we can walk in out of the, the 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 metaverse, which is a seamless integration of the physical and the virtual spaces, um, and and that's how we started the day. You know, like uh, what what uh, we see all the data that we need we need to know, uh, and and then the AI probably even knows better about what we should know, and. <laughs> And they, and those data will be presented uh, in in visualized fashion. Um, so that so that that will be the first data visualization. And the second is sort of the uh, the human interaction. You know, uh, it's still back to this interactive concept, right? That's that's really the future because everyone want, needs to wants to interact uh, either for content creation or or just for social interaction, right? Uh, so, so for um, for the for the future uh, network, social network, uh, it, it it will be much more immersive. It will be much more immersive. You know, may, maybe maybe I have uh, have have a avatar that that's really close to my the real me, or we have a three D image that's really close to the the, the real me. Uh, and that 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 image right can uh, can travel smoothly in the virtual spaces to interact with other people, just like the the physical me is traveling through the physical world uh, to meet with other physical people. Uh, but I think uh, it will be a, a higher level in, of interaction uh, in that future internet. So that's an interesting uh, uh, prediction, and you know, definitely, pe I think people can envision that. You know, something that's a little bit more immersive from a visualization mm -hmm. standpoint and interaction standpoint, and right. have a virtualized version of you um, representing you, which means you <laughs> could be, there could be a hundred instances of Winston around the world interact. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And exactly. You know, coming back, summarizing, right, and you can use a. Some kind of advanced version of of a language model or or um, um, a model, fusion model, summarizing all of these conversations and what's relevant and what's noise, so to speak, right? So correct, correct. Okay, yes. so one last question is: What are your recommendations for the audience? Yeah, no, I I think uh, data explosion explosion is here, uh, so. 
instead of trying to grab as much information as possible, uh, we have to be smarter in learning. Uh, and, and I find myself like every day still try to figure out what's the better way uh, to learn about the new things, right? You know, just just not, not like you, Stephen. You know, I still need to sleep. I, I know you don't have to sleep, you know, but um, uh, but but you know, even in that case, right? You have double double workable hours, uh, but the data exploration is exponential, right? So, so I think today every everyone needs to figure out, you know, like how can we continue improve our learning skills. Uh, and, and be smart about uh, dealing with this changing world where data uh, explodes exponentially. And, and I think you know that that's the issue uh, that everyone has to think about. Uh, and we need to kind of uh, remain as a human, right? Uh, so, so, so instead of trying to say, you know, I try to get as much as possible, like we have to ask the question, you know, what is the best way to organize the society uh, to, to handle this uh, data explosion? Well, let me reflect on that question mm, by, by, or by your um, answer, mm. a little bit of data. So in my keynotes now, I say that, and this is kind of like a back of an envelope calculation that we have about 10 exabytes of, um, data points per day, right? Right. So that's 10 billion billion uh, data points per day. That's an exabyte of uh, data, right? So, yes. so and, mm -hmm. and and to sort of quantify it in a, in a way that people can relate to, mm -hmm. estimated that there's 7 um, billion billion um, grains of sand on the earth. <laughs> so, exactly, exactly. So, Another way to say is like a, the latest iPhone, right? Maybe you may have one T may have one T memory, right? That's <laughs> a very small fraction of that, the number you used. Yeah, and in fact, then over the year, then that means there'll be roughly five zettabytes of data. That's five trillion billion data points. So you have all these data points, and then the question is, a lot of it's noise. How do you filter out to what's important or relevant? Exactly. You care about, and that's going to be a problem. And yeah. that's something that I think you're recommending is that there's so much data out there you got to figure out what are the things that you got to pay attention to right so exactly yeah so you have to be conscious about your learning method and then uh, you talk to other smart people right you know, meet with other leaders you know to figure out what's the latest the best practice right or or an avatar of winston that's doing all this filtering for you because it knows you right <laughs> exactly and, and that avatar doesn't have to sleep yes. <laughs> So, uh, Winston, thank you for coming in and sharing all your insights with our audience. You just have a marvelous uh, background and you're continuing to make so many contributions in so many different areas. And, uh, uh, you know, you're just uh, outstanding in the work you're doing. So thank you for sharing so much with our audience. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.